Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Welcome to a special prospect interview on the No Ceilings NBA podcast feed and the No Ceilings NBA YouTube channel. I'm Maxwell Baumbach, and today I'm joined by Ed Evansville's Ben Humbrickhouse. Ben, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Hey, thank you for having me on here. Yeah, no problem. It's an absolute pleasure. Um, you were a guy that, that's kind of been on my radar for a little while here. Uh, you had a really hot start uh, to the college season and uh, caught my eye early on in the year just because of that. And I you know, not to be, you know, rude or anything, but a lot of times the guy has a hot start and you just kind of keep tabs on him. You're like, ah, is this guy going to sustain this kind of production? And you've done that. So uh, I've been one of my favorite under the radar players and sleepers. Uh, ben Humrichhaus from Evansville is definitely a guy you want to have on your radar. So Ben, the first thing I always like to ask players is what is the thing that got you into basketball growing up? Uh, growing up originally, I just liked playing sports. Uh, my mom and dad said that Whenever it just came with, uh, like, whether it was basketball, baseball, football, whatever, um, I just, I enjoyed it, and I loved doing it, and I did it with everything I had. So, um, eventually, I was actually always a baseball kid, and uh, when I got into high school, I, I mean, I was just six seven, six eight, and I, I mean, I'd always loved basketball, but that's when I started to really uh, sprout and really love the game and chase it. Mm -hmm, for sure, and you are kind of like one of those out of nowhere guys where prior to this year, it didn't, didn't seem like, at least I didn't know anyone that was like really on top of your game or anything like that. You uh, spent some time at uh, Huntington uh, mm -hmm. prior to your time at Evansville. So not a, a division one basketball program. Um, what was your prep career like? And then what was your recruitment like coming out of high school that kind of led you there instead of like going straight to a D one? Yeah. Uh, so out of high school, I only played one summer of AAU and that was right before my summer or right before my senior year. And that was, I mean, a good experience for me, but I just didn't have any really true recruitment. And then right before my senior year, I went and played in the senior showcase with prep hoops. And that was my first time really playing in front of any coaches. Uh, Huntington had, I had met Huntington that day, their coaching staff and Bethel and such. So. Um, not really highly recruited out. I had three NAI offers and then I had an offer at uh, Incarnate Word in San Antonio. Yep. And mm -hmm. um, so when it when it kind of came down to just, I mean, Huntington was an hour and 10 from my, my home. Mm -hmm. It was close to home. There was a great opportunity there. Um, they had just hired a new staff and uh, Coach Corey Alford and his people, and they were just people I trusted. It was a great opportunity. 
And, uh, and so, I mean, they had everything I wanted and I got to go to school for free and play basketball. So. <laughs> Can't beat that. Yeah, hard, yeah. hard to complain about that. So, yeah. uh, yeah. So you mentioned like only playing one summer of AAU. So were you like, I, I don't want to say like a, a late bloomer as far as like your basketball production, but was it like, was it like a small town situation where you just weren't getting a lot of eyes on you? Like how did that sort of like snowball? Yeah. So I always wanted to play AU just because my uh I had a bunch of friends that did. And but I mean, as I mentioned, I was a baseball kid That's and during right. the summers, summers. Yeah. Yeah. My I'm one of uh I'm one of six kids. And so my parents' rule was that we could only play one at a time. Mm-hmm. And they didn't want me to run around with basketball and baseball yeah. just because of time stuff. And so when it came down to it, I just kept chasing baseball until uh I guess obviously right before my or the summer before my senior year, and that's when I mm-hmm. dove into AAU. And, and being one of that many siblings, like where where do you kind of fall in the pecking order age wise? Like, are you toward the middle, top, bottom? Or I'm the I'm the second. I have an older sister and the okay. four little brothers. Man, that's a lot. Do you feel like do you feel like that shaped? I don't know. Like, you as a basketball player in any way, or at least your approach to the game or life or anything like that? Yeah, I I think that's a lot of where my competitive um, drive came from. I mean, there's, there's no one you really want to beat more than just your little brother. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that that was also where I found the love just to, just to play sports, um, whether it was wiffle ball in the backyard, basketball, or, or just throwing the football around. I think it was just the sports like that. were just always doing something you love. And that's where, mm-hmm. I mean, it was really the most fun. So for sure, for sure. So you have three successful, uh, kind of seasons at Huntington and we're going to touch on that a little bit later, uh, but just to kind of bring people up to speed to where you are currently, uh, you transferred into Evansville this past off season. Um, when you made that decision, you decided that you were going to look at transferring up. Uh, what was it about Evansville that kind of sold you and made you want to go there? Yeah. Uh, so right out of the portal, I mean, for most people to understand the portal, it's pretty crazy. Um, I had played Evansville in an exhibition game with Huntington. And so I had already kind of played in front of them, but I had some connections to Coach Snow through my Huntington staff. I had some connections with Coach Wilson. And so in the transfer portal, it really came down to where could I find people that I trusted. Yeah. And early on, I found in the coaching staff that there was a bunch of people that I really could trust. Um, They showed really good interest in me and they were great through the whole process. And when it came down to like when I went on my visit, it came down to finding like I hung out with a group of guys that returned. And they were just, I mean, really a great family. There was a great culture behind the people that returned. And so, I mean, it was it was honestly an easy decision. When I came home, I was on the drive home with my mom and my dad for my visit. And my mom looked at me and she's like, why, like, why haven't we committed already? And so <laughs> it was, uh, after I had gone on my visit, it was a fairly easy um, decision. So For sure. That's your tier. I, th- I think that's something that's important for, for players out there listening to consider too um is i had a conversation with spencer jones at stanford who elected to return to stanford for his grad year and something that he mentioned was that uh for him it was fear of of kind of what you talked about like having a coaching staff that you trust and knowing hey like at stanford i know these guys i trust these guys so when you are looking to switch programs like having those coaching connections and knowing that you're going into a trusting environment you can believe in the coaching staff and they're going to believe in you really important so I commend Absolutely. you for for taking that into account, and obviously, it's it's paid off for everybody. Um, looking into your stats during your time at Huntington, it looked like it was sort of a steady progression in the scent. Like you're just a little bit better, a little bit better every year. Um, so, just like from the outside looking in, uh, as someone who studies the smaller conferences and, and things like that a lot, 
generally when guys transfer up, they don't, they don't get better. They get worse. Um, your numbers have continued to improve at a division one program after transferring up, which is very uncommon. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you attribute that to? It seems like every year your role has just been a little bit bigger. You've been a little bit more efficient. How has that happened? Yeah. Uh, I attribute it to two things. Um, the first one would probably just be uh, overall confidence. I think that my Huntington years were great because I, I mean, I grew a ton, not just as a basketball player, but as a person. And um, there were a lot of things that in the transition helped improve my confidence. Um, there's, I mean, I tell a lot of people about this, but there's just this simple, um, I had this simple journal where every day I keep track of what I do, but I even started counting my shots. Um, and just, I'm, I'm such a number analytics. My undergraduate degree was in mathematics. I'm just such mm-hmm. a numbers guy that when you can see the tangible numbers um, about what, what you're working and putting in, um, it makes it, I mean, it's a big confidence thing. Mm-hmm. And so walking into, into coming here, um, I just always want to pride myself in efficient shooting or um, an efficient game. And so like looking into a game, I'm, I know that I've made shots and stuff. So there was a bunch of stuff like that, a bunch of mental work that I did over the summer, just uh, in the way that I trained. Um, but then the second thing, I just think it's a big God thing. Um, yeah. If you learn about me, my faith is incredibly important to me. And um, there's, I mean, by the grace of God, he's given me abilities that and he's given, put me in circumstances and uh, opportunities that I, I mean, honestly, I couldn't account for or take credit for. And so mm-hmm. um, it's a big confidence thing, but it's really a big God thing. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a, a great answer. Um, you, so you mentioned that kind of like that well-roundedness and that efficiency. And that's something that, I mean, we're talking, we're talking numbers. That's, that's my world. I love that stuff. Uh, in, in kind of preparation uh, for this and digging into the film for this, I, you know, obviously went to your, your synergy page and you get used in so many different types of possessions. Mm-hmm. Um, they use you as a spot up guy. You make plays in transition. You run uh, ball screens both as a screener and as a ball handler. Uh, mm-hmm. You do a little bit of everything, and you grade out really well across the board. Um, how did you develop that sort of well-roundedness? Is that like, has that sort of always been your approach to the game? Have you always had coaches that asked you to do a, a wide variety of things, or was there one thing that you started off being good at and then you expanded it out from there? Yeah. Um, so growing up, I was uh, because of my age, I was. I was always younger, so I wasn't actually as big as most of my uh, the kids in my class. And so I grew up as a guard. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grew up shooting the three ball. Um, and so um, as I've developed over time, I've always kind of had those guard skills that have allowed me to, whether it's going uh, in a ball screen, push the ball in transition, um, make plays off the dribble. But then as I got into Huntington and, uh, you know, scouts start to change and you start to realize that sometimes the best way to get open is the screen. Yep, um, absolutely. You, just the simple idea that uh, my ability to, to screen has gotten me open or um, my ability to pick and pop, especially in the league like the NBC, um, can be a huge uh, treasure to use and uh, is a huge advantage. And so, um, I mean, I, I credit a bunch of people to that, just whether it was film sessions, but also just um, working with my trainer at home over the summers. We just developed a bunch of things. Just, I mean, with my size at my position, I have a lot of freedom to to, to kind of go small and go in the, the three position, but even try to be big and be more of a five man. So, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Cause at your size six, nine strong, sturdy build, uh, you know, pick a pop is going to be something you see a lot at the next level. But even like when I, I interviewed Justin Powell uh, this off season, who's on the, the Canton charge G league team. Now 
And something that he mentioned was just like, you got to screen, you got to screen mm-hmm. to get shots at the NBA level. And he's more of like a guard at, at six, five. And that's just the nature of the game. Now, like if you're not screening and willing to screen and setting good screens, it gets a lot harder to get those looks at the next level. So that is something that's, that's really important. Um, obviously the shot is something that like, for me, uh, that was a big uh, thing that drew me to your tape initially was seeing, Hey, this guy is six foot nine and he's shooting like 44% from three. Uh, as of this recording, so we're recording this about a week before this will be released. Uh, currently you're taking 5.13 per game. You're making 43.7% of them. So really good volume and really good efficiency for a guy who is your size. Um, you mentioned the three being a part of your game growing up, but again, this is one of those areas where the percentage has kind of ticked up over time. Uh, is that just a reps thing or have there been any kind of mechanical footwork? Like how, how have you gotten to a point where you're, you're hitting this many on, on this high of a clip? Yeah. Um, my shooting coach was always my dad and I don't know if I want him to watch this and get credit for that, but, uh, (laughs) he, uh, I think it was just the fundamentals. Um, when it comes to just the structure and the fundamentals of my shot, I don't think much has changed growing up. I think that, Mm -hmm. I mean, for a lot of great shooters, it just starts with a good foundation. Um, I mean, I talk about the confidence thing. I think that there's um, there's a lot of mental, there's a huge mental side to shooting the ball. And I think that um, most of my development in becoming a high level shooter is just improving your mental game and getting the repetitions and um, putting yourself, like in my workouts, just putting yourself in difficult circumstances. And um, like, I mean, Coach Pete has this drill. It's, you gotta, you gotta make 42 out of 50 or more. And 42 out of 50 or more is 84% from three. And that's a really high percentage. (laughs) And I mean, let's say you fail and you shoot 39. I mean, we're, Mm -hmm. I'm still shooting at 78% on the drill. And so it's, Mm -hmm. it's kind of just, uh, it's, it's that idea that like pushing what you're able to do. And, uh, and you just, I mean, when you fail, you're still succeeding. So. (laughs) Absolutely. And I know you mentioned like your, your shot, like, uh, your journaling process and sort of tracking your shots and things like that. Um, with that, are you, looking at taking different types of threes during those workouts or is it more stationary stuff? Like how do you uh, like, what's your process as far as going through a workout and, and working on your three? Yeah. Uh, it's a, it's, it's not really just contained to the three point jump shot. It's a mm-hmm. good mix of spot ups, whether mid range or uh, three point. I think the mid range is important more for development um, than anything, but it's wonderful pull ups in the mid range. It's uh, turnarounds in the mid range. Um, but then also the three point sidestep spot up transition. So it's, it's a big combination of a bunch of different shots. So, mm-hmm. and obviously you are, um, well, I mean, we're going to get to kind of some of that in between and like ball handling stuff too. Uh, but you're a really efficient finisher as well. Uh, you're a guy who can kind of get up above the rim, uh, too, which is good. You got some good bounce to you. How important is your shooting from that standpoint? And how do you kind of decide? when you get the ball in the perimeter, like, Hey, here's a good time to, to pump fake it and drive in versus here's, here's one that I'm just going to let fly. Uh, a lot of time it can be a combination of the closeout, but also a combination of time and score. Um, if, if I'm missing, like, let's say early in the game, I miss, I take a three early and I miss the first two, I might be quicker to say, let's get to the rim. And cause I mean, that's a high percentage of getting fouled. Mm-hmm. And sometimes just making free throws makes the, the three ball much easier to shoot. And so I think it's a combination of time and score, but even just uh, how I'm shooting, how I'm doing. Um, and I mean, I'm just, I'm such a, if we just seeing the ball go in in a game can help mm-hmm. be a big confidence booster for taking the next big three. Absolutely. Uh, and you are 
also I, mean, I know you mentioned kind of growing up as a guard a little bit more you are this you know posh playmaker you are in the 97th percentile on synergy right now as a pick and roll ball handler uh which is again just something that's not very common for a dude your size um when you are kind of going through that process and also uh assisted turnover ratio looking real good at 1.8 to 1 right now too um when you are kind of putting the ball on the deck in a ball screen, what are you looking for on the court? Cause obviously you are a guy who can pull up, take it to the rack. Like what are you looking for? And then how are you kind of reacting based on, on what you're seeing? Yeah. Um, I mean, we kind of can talk about the X's and O's a bunch. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, to make it the most simple is uh, watch the role. Who's the tag guy. Um, mm -hmm. That would probably be the first read. Sometimes, um, a lot of times I end up with four and five, four and five uh, big man pick and rolls, which is very yep. uncommon. Mm -hmm. It's um, it's very uncommon that a four man gets put as guarding the ball in a pick and roll. Mm -hmm. And so I have a big advantage, whether it's um, for me or for the guy setting the screen. And so, I mean, first instinct is coming off the screen, read the tag. And after that, it's really um, trying to get downhill and just trying to make plays at the rim. So, yeah, that's great. That's great. Um, Let's talk about your your defense a little bit. One of the things that really stands out, and and just the more film I watch, especially uh, NBA games and things like that, is just the importance of size and, and not just being tall, but being long and being strong. Uh, can you talk about how those elements of just your your physical profile tend to help you out on that end of the floor? Yeah, absolutely. Um, a stat that doesn't end up really getting recorded in our games is just deflections and how yep. important deflections is is to the to the disruption of the offense even if it doesn't happen in it to become a steal or such um my ability just to to use my wingspan can cause a lot of deflections or even just the simple idea that uh with me using all my wingspan it causes a higher skip pass or um something of that nature and it and ultimately i might if i'm the i mean on ball defender i might not end up with a block but just the ability to wall up my my height and my wingspan allows me to just contest shots um to the best ability um, and then, I mean, just me being a four man or whatever, um, I do, a, I'm still developing my ability to, to guard on ball, which is at the NBA level, a huge skill that people mm -hmm. are looking for. So that's something that continues to develop, but even just my ability to guard inside, um, uh, my, my frame has continued to develop every year. I mean, I walked in my freshman year at six, seven, 175 pounds. And, uh, so I just, such just an importance on uh, continuing the strength train and stuff has made my defensive game um, so much better from the start. So for sure. Yeah, I can, can definitely see that. And it's one of those things that shows up on film um, as far as your ability to contain the ball. But I, I also really like your uh, ability to help with the rim is a weak side rim protector with, with how you get off the floor. Um, maybe a bit of an odd question, but do you think your time, kind of playing as a guard and getting to see how plays unfold and things like that. Do you think that that's helped you on the defensive end as far as being able to read what the opposing offense is doing and knowing when guys are kind of going to make a break at the rim? Yeah, absolutely. I think that a, a bunch of defense is uh, just defensive instincts and just anticipation. Um, for me, one of the things that I'm continuing to watch on film is just my positioning. If I can be in the right spot at the right time, it, may, it helps me a whole lot more than trying mm -hmm. to overcompensate and do more than I have to. And so, I mean, I've guarded a lot of, I've guarded a lot of guards growing up and it makes being the second defender much easier, whether I'm blocking the shot at the rim or reading a, a kick out or something. So mm -hmm. yeah, definitely has helped. For sure. And um, 
just kind of looking looking forward as as far as your game goes you um you've, you've kind of gotten better year over year is there anything in your game that you look at and you say man this is the one thing i i'm really focused on or this is the one area of my game that i really want to get better or are you still just kind of continuing to take that more holistic approach uh and just want to see an overall well-rounded improvement just kind of take those steps forward yeah um the one thing would probably be the mid post my ability to create in the mid post um just because i had always played a guard i played so much on the perimeter i'm starting to find that i get not just getting open through screening but even getting open just through in transition pushing to the mid post or mid post catches um there's a lot of opportunities in there to be a good passer um to be able to see the floor well but even just to get around the rim and get fouled um make plays out of the middle mid post and so um that's probably right now it's not something that i was always super confident and comfortable in but it's mm-hmm. something that i'm continuing to develop and um and i mean used to make plays so yeah absolutely and uh one thing i always like to kind of just ask guys i think it's a, a good way for people to kind of get to know you i know you mentioned you know mathematics and things like that earlier whenever basketball is all said and done whenever you you know retire after pro career or whatever what what do you want to do after that uh i want to I say data analytics. I yeah. love basketball analytics. Mm-hmm. Um, just, I have such a mind for it. My Huntington coach, coach Corey Alford, our system was ran so heavy on the analytics. Um, that's something that's super interesting to me. Um, just even as the game develops and as that field grows, mm-hmm. that would probably, I mean, I want to stay in basketball because I'm a little kid still, but yeah, uh, absolutely. even, even when I get older, I want to stay in basketball because I'm still a little kid. So mm-hmm. uh, that just loves the game. And so probably something like that. That's great. Love that. Um, and this obviously the same boat as you, <laughs> you know, with that, that basketball dream. So uh, where can people find you if they want to kind of follow along on, on your journey here? Uh, like social media and stuff. Yeah. 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 Um, uh, I have an Instagram page. Uh, I don't know if it's possible. You just tag me or something. I'm on sure, Instagram, yep. Twitter. Uh, I have a fairly uh, lame TikTok that I'm still on. Uh, yeah. And then something that's growing is my Facebook. I'm starting to get nice. old. And so I'm starting to add my <laughs> Facebook a little bit. There we go. Love that. Uh, well, I, I appreciate you joining us here. Uh, make sure you're giving Ben a follow. Uh, an absolute pleasure to have you on the show here. Uh, so make sure you're following him on all social media platforms. Make sure you're following us at No Ceilings NBA on all platforms. Make sure you're following me at Boundboards. Until next time, thank you for joining us.